Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode three of Akata Girl Chronicles. Um, I did take a break from our regularly scheduled program. Um, school had just started, some work had kicked up for me, and so I was just trying to get all of that settled in together. Now that I am on a set schedule again, um, I'm just going to start batching out some episodes um, and making sure I can get it out to you guys weekly as promised. Um, so while the key is always consistency, I also want to make sure that I'm providing um, value to you as well as my listeners. So in order to keep up, make sure that you are subscribed. I am available on several different platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. So wherever you get your podcast fixed, just look up Akata Girl Chronicles and I should be there. Um, as well, please make sure you keep sending in those emails or contacting me on any of my social media platforms um, as far as, you know, what content you want to see, topics you want to talk about, or any type of uh, questions that you have. You know, I love creating content and coming up with stuff on my own, but I also want to make sure that um, I am doing what I'm supposed to do for y'all too. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. With that being said, we're going to jump right on into our first portion of the episode, which is the organization of the week. This is the part of the episode where I will highlight um, a different organization or person that is just doing it for the Black community and just really making an impact. So for this week, we are going to speak on um, Black Millennials for Flint. As you know, it has been 1,838 days that Flint, Michigan has gone without clean water. Um, And the Black Millennials for Flint have been at the front line, not only providing resources to the citizens of Flint, but also championing um, legislation and seeking justice for those citizens. Um, It is headed by a fierce and fabulous leader, Latrice Adams. and, um, And that just speaks, and they speak to the larger mission of eradicating environmental justice in our Black and Brown communities, not just um, water. in the water crisis, but also in lead prevention, et cetera. So, um, you know, Flint is not the only city that is affected by it. We have cities in the Chicago area, Detroit, you know, even here in Washington, D.C., that have had experiences with environmental injustice um, in our community. So they have an upcoming summit that will gather different advocates to speak on solutions and current work being done now to affect change in the communities at large. So to learn more about their efforts, please visit um, blackmillennialsforflint.org. That's blackmillennials, the number four, flint.org. All right, so we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of our episode. This is where we just, whatever topic we've uh, decided to talk on or speak on, um, anything that, you know, I feel is a hot topic or something that is just on my heart to speak on, um, this is the portion where we're going to talk about it. Um, And so for today's episode, um, the meat and potatoes of this is going to be about the Me Too movement and Um, what that stands for, what it stood for, what it has become, and just my whole thoughts on it, right? 
Um, so to begin with, the original movement, uh, Me Too, began on Twitter, and it was founded by a Black woman named Taran Burke. Um, and it, the original meaning of it was to really foster a connection with others who have experienced sexual trauma and violence and bring to light that this happens far too often and that as victims, or I would say survivors of these circumstances, uh, that we're not alone. Um Consequently, this hashtag went viral across the Twitter sphere and ultimately started making the news, you know, um, and I just find the whole act of it very ironic. I mean, something that we all know to be true. We know that this, uh, that rape exists. We, we've always been speaking on, you know, what that means, all these scandals that pop up. You know, this is not a topic that is generally new, right? But I guess with the Me Too movement, you know, it kind of, I don't know. For me, it's like this is something that we've always been discussing for years and years and years. And just within the last recent year, has it been taken to a level of people are paying attention to it? But, you know, ultimately, it it is what it is. Um, you know, but now it's making headline news. And so I kind of feel as though, you know, this is really just a testament to rape culture itself, you know, and it's specifically rape culture in America. Uh, if you don't know, the concept of rape culture is defined as the pervasive and normalized attitudes that we hold um, towards sexual exploitation, violence, and objectification. Um, since the Me Too movement has went viral, it reached Hollywood. And then it was at this point that I feel as though shit really hit the fan, right? Um, it seems as though if every single day we heard another accusation, um, and it just seemed like the Me Too movement was perverted and sens- I would say sensationalized um, with each and every headline. Um, and then with that sensationalization in the headlines, it then desensitized us uh, to a very real and perpetual problem that we have and have always had. Um, for example, recently at Aretha's funeral, uh, you know, a lot of people were commenting on the way that um, the young lady, Ariana Grande, her dress and how, you know, it wasn't appropriate for a setting and whatever you want to say about that. But then there was also a segment right after that where the pastor um literally groped her in on camera in front of other people and you see her visibly uncomfortable in the situation um trying to pull away and he literally has like part of her breast in his in his hand and he just oh I'm sorry and a lot of people will say well oh, she shouldn't have dressed like that or oh, she shouldn't have done this and that is a prime example of what we call rape culture you know, uh, when it comes to this topic, I really just want to be more poignantly about um, that this is not a new phenomenon and it is what it is, right? Um, but more poignantly, I want to direct this, uh, uh, when we talk about rape culture, I want to direct this to the Black community. Um, more than 20% of Black women have experienced some form of sexual assault, violence, or trauma, and one out of six men have experienced some kind of sexual assault, violence, and trauma as well. Um, in our community, I would say that there were many men and women that were championing for people like Bill Cosby and Nate Parker and a host of other Black pedder predators and rapists, you know, so in, I guess, in 
light of being a celebrity, correct? Right. So, and, you know, I honestly believe that a lot of people, I don't necessarily go, oh, if you champion for rapists, then you are a rapist yourself. Or if you don't understand consent, then you must be a rapist yourself because that's just so easy to say, right? I honestly believe that a lot of people who um, have a hard time understanding rape, rape culture and consent are more than likely victims themselves, right? And they have internalized and dealt with their trauma in a in a way that kind of, you know, lets things be okay. Like I, you know, they put the blame on themselves and they put themselves in a position of, you know, I did something or I was violated, but if I did this, it wouldn't have mattered. My violation didn't matter. So why should yours kind of thing, right? Um and I really do believe that, you know, people who have been sexually abused, molested or assaulted and they did not confront their abuser, they internalize that 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 trauma. And as I said, they just rationalize it in a way or just straight up don't acknowledge it, you know, as an act of as an act of survival. So, you know, these pent up emotions um, then manifest themselves in other ways, in other toxic ways, um, you know, such as hyper promiscuity, you know, not caring about, you know, what's going on with your body or caring who you let have access to your body um, on over reliance on drugs and alcohol, depression, mental illness and violence. You know, we see these things in our community and it really honestly almost always is uh, the root of it is some type of residual trauma that, that people don't deal with, right? Or they dealt with, they feel like those they dealt with it, right? And they really haven't confronted it head on. Um, when we have these conversations about rape, rape culture and what does that look like, we often get commentary about, you know, well, why would a victim come out now? You know, why would they wait to say something or it's too late? Um, they didn't look good enough to get raped, you know, or this person was an upstanding member of the community. There's no possible way they could be a rapist or anything like that, you know. And a lot of these notions are only additives to the evidence that rape culture is a seriously a serious issue that is has gone undressed unaddressed in the black community and um you know a lot of us don't even have an understanding of how rape trials even work you know as far as uh people you know or either what it takes to even make it work for a rape trial to even you know go to trial i would say uh, it takes dozens of testimonies and not hearsay, you know, because there's a difference between someone giving their testimony on their direct experience with this person in addition to someone else's testimony with their experience with that same person. Um, so it's not necessarily hearsay, but testimonies of victims accounting their experiences and essentially re-traumatizing them. You know, it's very traumatizing to go on a stand and to say, you know, that you've been violated. That that acknowledgement is very painful because then you you are opening yourself up not only to the truth of things but to scrutiny. There are people who are going to speak on, well, you did this before and you did that before, or you know, you allowed this to happen, you were in this position and you were in this capacity, you were this, and it does open you up to a certain level of um vulnerability that a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with doing. Um, and there's there's often a we've created an environment where 
that will comp- that potentially will turn a victim off and it turns them away from naming their abusers because it's easier to just go on living like the shit didn't happen than it is to confront an issue. It's easier to ignore something instead of, you know, confronting it, right? Um, and many have often felt like it didn't matter. There are people who were, you know, molested or abused by someone who's in the family um, and that family member was protected. And so then you internalize that as, you know, well, they protected that person and instead of protecting me, so I must not matter. You see how that kind of, you know, that pattern works in that way. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where we have to be as a community. I want to say for anybody listening to this podcast, we have to be more cognizant on how we treat those situations and be really educating ourselves on the signs to look for those red flags, the things to say, the resources to really adjust our thinking, our mindset when it comes to rape and rape culture and how that deep that actually goes. Um, And I also want to take time to right now to say to anyone who is listening, who um, has ever been violated in that way, that, you know, what happened to you does matter. You know, no one deserves to be violated. And I'm very sorry that you were led to believe otherwise. And I understand I understand however you chose to cope with it. That's perfectly fine. But I do honestly implore you to seek some form of healing, however that looks, um, as long as it's healthy and it's it's for you. I implore you to seek some type of healing, but also know that it is never, you have every right to always, always, always not only name your abuser, but to seek justice. And it's never, ever, ever too late to do that, okay? So fuck any counter argument. I don't care what anyone else to say on any social media or what any what anybody has to say. You have a right to do that, period, okay? And I also will drop down um, into, in the comments, or I guess in the description, um, a couple of links to people or um, organizations that I know of that help with, uh, you know, rape crisis victims um, and victim support. And, you know, you can anonymously click on those. And yeah, so yeah, I just want to leave that, you know, and also, again, I want to reiterate to any listeners, I would encourage them to become more cognizant of your interactions with each other, what you choose to laugh at, what and who you choose to support, and does that in turn support the idea of rape culture in that, in this country, you know, I'm not asking for perfection, because we're not perfect, but we should always be striving to be diligent about this at best. All right, so we are getting into our last portion of the show, uh, which is our Black Woman Crush of the Week. Um, This week, I'm going to be highlighting Charlene Mitchell. She was the first African-American woman to run for president in 1968 um, in running on the Communist Party ticket. Charlene was a true revolutionary and addressed the system in its entirety that needed to be dismantled and reorganized to benefit the most marginalized amongst us and where the root of the problem was capitalism itself and whether in uh, whether it be in white or black hands um, 
Charlene was a trailblazer and an Akata girl that went against the norm to carry out her voice and platform for the people. And that wraps up this episode for the week. Um, If you made it this far, I want to say thank you. But I also want to talk to you real quick. um, And I really just want to answer some questions on whatever situation that you want to speak on, whether it be personal or professional or socially, whatever the case is, please, please, please don't hesitate in sending me some type of email or DMing me on um, IG or Facebook if you have it. As I said before, I'm building this platform not only for myself, but for you as well. And so I want to make sure that I'm always, always sharing um, the right things in uh, building that content just for you exclusively. So please reach out to me on my IG, Akata Girl, the podcast, or shoot me an email at Akata Girl, G-R- grl18 at gmail.com and i hope to hear from you soon love you guys peace and blessing